Welcome to another episode of The Producing Half. Just a normal, everyday working Americans trying to figure out the insanity of the world we live in. And trust me, it is an insane world. Um, today I want to talk about WWIII, World War III. And it's not the World War III you think. Because we're already in World War III. And it is a war against you and me. It is a war against the individual. They hate you. Who is they? The people who want to be in power. The, um, you know, the global elites. The, you know, World Economic Forum. The Davos. The, the Klaus Schwab's. The, the billionaires. <clears throat> they hate you. And you being the producers. The middle class. The people out there just doing it. They actually hate you. Um, so there's our, it's World War III already started. Um, it's a fifth generational war. And we'll get into that. But um, it's already started. And you're getting it from, from all sides. It's, it's coming. It's a control. Because the war today is, yes, there is the whole Russia and Ukraine thing. That's just another thing to bring about. They have to destroy the middle class. And so all of this is about destroying the individual, and that's the middle class, the poor or a zombie horde, um, the left or a zombie horde. Um, and I mean, I, I'm a, I guess you could, when I say the poor, I mean the consumers, because I'm not rich, but the consumers, the consumers out there, the people who can't produce because they don't want to, um, they're a zombie horde. The left and the these crazy, you know, identity identitarians the, these crazy people who think that they're dogs or think that boys are girls whatever all those people uh they're a zombie they're another zombie horde there's just zombie hordes out there and then you got the 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 mindless democrats another zombie horde you got the mindless republicans another zombie horde um you've got i mean it's just all these zombie hordes um and they're all being weaponized to 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 come against you the individual, the producer, you know, basically middle-class America. So there's World War Three. It's a fifth generational war. Um, and it's, it's a war against you. It's a war against you and me. Or me and you. It's a good question. Um, it's a war on the individual. And you're getting hit on everything. You're getting hit uh, with the, the facts coming at you on TV. You, you have no idea. You're getting hit with um, fear, fear, uh, fear of everything. You're getting hit um, the price of gas, the price of food. Um, you know, getting you used to conditioning for for scarcity. They're they're conditioning you for scarcity, and they've been doing that for a while. The supply chain crisis is on purpose. That's what you need to realize. I've been talking about it for two years, at least. Uh, the supply chain crisis is on purpose um and it's um it's to get you conditioned for scarcity um they're hitting you with medical uh they've weaponized uh pharmaceutical industry that's been weaponized to come against you not only do they don't even they weaponize the diseases that get you sick they weaponize the cures the cures is in a lot of cases is, is as bad as the disease um <clears throat> So they're hitting in their 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 severe attacks on on families. They're 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 doing their best to destroy uh, families. They're coming out after. I mean, they've already destroyed. Uh, they already killed God. Um, 
they um, they're 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 the whole the nuclear family they've, they've gotten rid of that they did that with welfare pretty pretty fairly I mean you still have the middle class and that's the problem in the middle class you can still have the dad working and the mom staying home and taking care of the children and building that foundation but they destroy that they attack your kids constantly with with uh, the social media and the YouTube and all the games and stuff that they do so they're they're constantly attacking your children all of this is to destroy you It's to destroy the individual in the middle class they have to get rid of the individual and the middle class is made up of individuals um, the rest of everything are um, they're not individuals they're a zombie horde and they're fine with zombie hordes because zombie hordes are easily controlled they're easily manipulated look at the flip of like the occupy wall street kind of people or the 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 the, the left who has for as long as i can remember have been anti um government anti now they're fighting on the side of government they are against they are for the government and against you the 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 middle class um so every, nothing makes sense it's all this fear-mongering it's everything has been weaponized against the the middle class they are going to destroy you economically uh in the next 24 months um i just got my taxes in the mail and uh that's a horrific bill um on my home they got to get rid of the middle class and a lot of the middle class wealth is in your home and if you can't afford to pay your taxes you'll be forced to either lose your home or sell it in which case um, blackrock or one of the other uh, big firms vanguard group will gobble up your home and turn it into a rental property and then you no longer have that asset so you're you're constantly being attacked and you think you own your home in america stop paying your taxes and let me know how that works out for you you don't own it you're just renting it from different people <clears throat> but still there's always wealth at least when you um when you have a mortgage and you're owning a home you're paying it off um, sure you're still renting from the government but you're still building wealth that you can be passed on to your children that's how middle america generally speaking passes their wealth on to their children is through the, their home well they're gonna they they they, they went gangbusters against that in this last uh last year they've done everything they, they they it is so obvious that they're they are trying to destroy the middle class so i wanted to talk a little bit about fifth generational warfare which is what we're in let me do this all right this is fifth generational warfare from our trusty friends at the leftist organization wikipedia they are um they are definitely not uh you, you know you still have to go to wikipedia and find and you still can you can still find fact-based stuff just stay away from anything that's possibly could be spun to help one side of the left-right argument um fifth 5gw fifth generational warfare is a warfare that is conducted primarily through non-kinetic military action in other words it's not world war ii tanks going each other so but it's through such as social engineering misinformation cyber attacks with uh, also using artificial intelligence and autonomous uh, autonomous systems but it's also through medical warfare they've 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 uh they have um weaponized 
pharmaceutical and, and health. Um, they are, it's a war for your mind. It's a war for your perception. It's a war against perception. It's a, it's the war against perception. And, uh, <clears throat> so that's what we're in. And so they're going to be hitting you with, 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 uh, fear and they're going to attack every aspect of it. And one of the things that's coming is, um, a food shortage, a food shortage is coming. Now we're not going to starve in America. Um, the third world is going to starve, but in America, we're not going to starve. Um, and matter of fact, I have that stat on the third world right here. And so, uh, world hunger, um, wow, 10,000 children die daily from chronic poor nutrition. 99% of malnutrition, 99% uh, of malnutrition, mal Nutritioned people are in undeveloped third world nations. 10% of the population suffers from hunger compared to 24% in 1990. That was going the wrong direction for them. Remember that last video with that uh, Yuri or whatever his name was talking about all these useless people. It's going to be 24. It's going to be by the end of the, whenever this fall harvest hits and it is nothing like it, like it should, it's going to be 30% by 2023. 40, 50%, who knows where it stops. Um, world hunger is on the rise. Asia has the most hungry people. Of course, Sub-Saharan Africa. Females make up 60%. 40% all death are children under five. Children under five. Um, 800 million people, 11%, live on less than $1.90 a day. Think about inflation and think about food shortages. What does that billion people, basically, because you know this is... Um, underreported and it's just going to grow so let's just say it's a billion people uh live on a dollar 90 a day live on less than a dollar 90 a day <clears throat> um yeah no um it's gonna be bad children are mostly 60 percent mother you know the kids you're gonna have low you're gonna have low iq low birth rates um it's gonna be um it's gonna be horrific I have this video I found today. I have no idea who this guy is, but he did a really good job of explaining it. I think I have it on. So he's going to be talking fast. Feel free to listen to whoever this clear value, clear value text. I haven't listened to any of other videos. I just saw this when I was um, Googling up, or actually I was braving. Brave is the, bra is the search engine I use. I was uh, braving. I don't know. We have to come up with a verb for using the Brave browser search engine. DuckDuckGo was never really a search engine. It was kind of a um, database queued at uh, question databases. But whenever they started suppressing, um, uh, they started they started filtering the Ukraine uh, news. I completely stopped using. I even downloaded the Brave uh, browser on my phone. So now I can use Brave on my phone instead of DuckDuckGo, which is what I've been using. So no more, it's duck, duck, gone. That's what I call it, duck, duck, gone. So we're going to watch this video. It says 11 minutes, but we're playing it at a, a one and a half speed. So pay attention because he talks fast at this speed. Heard about the upcoming food shortage. The news is talking about it. Social media is saying it. Even President Biden said that the food shortages, they're going to be real. 
So I want to clarify the situation for you, and I want to explain to you what is going on. Whenever the government is starting to say things, it's kind of like when the military starts showing off their, their technology, it's because it's old, they got something better. When the government starts talking about, when Biden starts saying there's going to be a food shortage, and that's bad for him, that's bad for the Democrats. They don't want negativity. <clears throat> when they start saying it, uh, hold on. Again, in America, I don't think we're going to starve. Uh, things are just going to be expensive. They're just, people are going to be poor. I think he says that too. Going on. If farmers, so if they want to produce successfully, they need three things. One, they need fertilizer. Two, they need diesel fuel. And three, they need human labor. Why is human labor short? It's short on purpose. Why is fertilizer? Well, fertilizer is Russian Ukraine, among other things. It was already at um, um, shortage, and so was diesel. So it has all to do with the COVID, which is, again, the lockdowns were, again, part of this fifth generational warfare, this complete and total warfare on the individual. Now take a wild guess, what is going on with those three categories? There's a fertilizer shortage, there's a diesel fuel shortage, and there's a labor shortage. Mm -hmm. There's also the war in Ukraine. And when you put all of that together, you end up with a food shortage. So let me cut the suspense. So I'm gonna cut the suspense, and I don't wanna be dramatic, so I'm just gonna tell it to you. We're not gonna have starving Americans. It's more likely that we're gonna have a lot more broke Americans, but we're gonna get into more of that at the end. So you need to know that the upcoming agricultural problems, they have not been baked into inflation yet, but it's coming. So, if you think that, so, if you so think about that. And first of all, the inflation numbers is 20-something percent. No matter what they tell you, that's what it is. It hasn't, none of this is even factored in. Think about what it is and what it really is and what it's going to be. If you think that grocery prices are bad right now, we have not seen anything yet. First and foremost, you need to be aware that fertilizer is so important for crops. So general estimates are that fertilizer, they increase crop yields by 40 to 50 percent. So here's the situation. Russia is the largest exporter of fertilizer. Belarus, so that's Russia's puppet state, so that's where the Ukrainian invasion was launched. They are number six. So between the two of them, they make up approximately 18% of global fertilizer exports. That doesn't sound like a lot, but see what 18%, well, what's that matter? Well, think about the percentage, a billion people living on a dollar something a day. A billion people basically get just enough calories. A billion people get just enough calories to not die basically on earth and so if you have i think he said 18 percent less fertilizer that causes a 50 percent reduction in crop yields think about the billion people americans are, are going to get their food because we got all the resources you know the first world is going to gobble up all the food but think about i mean the, the percentage doesn't seem but you're going to talk about scale and on scale, it's a huge deal. Because of the war, there have been sanctions, there have been boycotts, and Russia refusing to export to unfriendly countries. Consequently, commercial fertilizer prices, they have doubled in the past year. According to the USDA, the cost of fertilizer makes up 36% of a farmer's operating cost for corn and 35% for wheat. So, you know, a third of your operating cost is fertilizer, and it is more than doubled. I've been seeing lots of reports of people paying three times, even four times, so farmers are planting, either not planting, and the government, by the way, is paying them not to plant, go figure in a food shortage, or they're planting without fertilizer. 50% yes yield that way. So let me tell you how the farmers have been responding. This is all across the world, so this is internationally. So Brazil, they are the largest exporter of soybeans. Brazil imports half of the fertilizer from Russia and Belarus. Brazilian farmers are saying that they're simply gonna use less fertilizer. So this is expected to hurt crop yields. In America, a fifth-generation farmer in New Mexico, Mike Berry, he said 
He paid 232% above last year's prices for liquid nitrogen to fertilize his corn. Barry said that he's going to use 30% less nitrogen. Not only that, so he just said corn. Think about what they just announced about allowing E85. They're going to try to push more E85 out there, which means more corn. I think it's a different type of corn that they use in ethanol, but they're going to be taking more of our, our corn and moving and using it towards a biofuel instead of food. But I do think it's a different type of corn. I don't think we eat that corn. Which could drop his yields by 25%. Barry said, bottom line is that we're going to produce less. So many farmers around the world, they're simply deciding to plant less. So that's another alternative. In America, many farmers are saying the same thing. They're saying that they're going to cultivate less acreage. Others are saying that they're going to plant crops that require less fertilizer. A wheat farmer in Argentina said that he's deciding to reduce production by 30% this year by letting a portion of his land lay idle. So he decided to do this because the cost of fertilizer, he said, is just too high. Growers are looking to find alternatives. So this is one of many examples. In Zimbabwe, farmers are saying that they're going to substitute their typical fertilizer with manure. So the same thing, it's happening in America as well. Manure is in high demand right now as a substitute. This has triggered manure shortages, and there are even shortages for the equipment that spread manure. So as you can clearly see, this is going to be, I mean, this is problematic, and the situation is just going to get worse. So fertilizer is so important to maximize the output of wheat, corn, soy, and rice. But just to let you know, the prices that we're seeing at the grocery stores today, these are the prices that were already locked in with contracts. So these higher costs to the farmers and growers, it's going to trickle down to the consumers. So be prepared for that. Be prepared to see higher prices. Now let's talk about the price of fuel, specifically diesel fuel. So the price of oil, it spiked up, it came down, but it's still very expensive. The price of oil is expected to creep back up in the second half of 2022. This is important because most machinery runs on diesel fuel. Diesel, it's used heavily in farming. The California Farm Bureau says that on average, diesel fuel makes up 15% of a farm's expenses. So if you just think about this, the transportation industry, it relies heavily on diesel fuel to ship all crops. So you have the rising cost of diesel affecting every step along the food chain. So let me tell you this about oil prices. So I'm going to summarize this for you very briefly. For the past 10 years, the oil industry, they underinvested in exploration and production. With the COVID lockdowns, it made the situation even worse on the production side. Over the past 12 months, transportation demand has been spiking. So we have a structural underinvestment globally, more demand for oil internationally, and then you throw in Russia and Ukraine. But the situation, it's even worse for diesel fuel specifically because COVID-19, it hit diesel refining capacity the hardest. So this is why you see the price of regular unleaded gasoline, 22 cents below their all-time highs, but diesel fuel is only nine cents below their all-time highs. This is according to AAA. So new refining capacity is expected to come online in the Middle East, Asia, and West Africa for diesel fuel, but that's not going to happen until next year. Now, moving on to workers. So I believe that we're all aware of the situation. So we all know that there's an employee shortage, and this is no difference in the agricultural industry. American farmers, they're struggling to find enough labor to meet demand. And this situation, it's not unique just to America either. The same thing, it's happening. It's occurring in Europe. And COVID-19, especially, so it especially screwed up the situation for seasonal workers. So basically, there's a worker shortage. We don't need to go in-depth on this side of the story because we've all heard this before. Now, on top of all these problems, you need to realize that Russia and Ukraine, they export a lot of food. Between Russia and Ukraine, they make up 30% of global wheat exports and 20% of corn exports. Ukraine and Russia, they account for 12% of all of the calories that the world consumes. So think about that as well. In that, So you're having you know, the, the lack of fertilizer, but you're also losing 30% of the food the global supply think about what that does to the billion people who just get enough food yesterday to survive so russia and ukraine they're big players in the world's food supply but this is all getting disrupted the russian army they're all over the place they're currently in the east and southern part of ukraine ukraine says that they're going to cultivate 70 percent of their normal levels 
So the number, it's not 100% because you have millions of Ukrainians displaced, supply chains not running properly, infrastructure blown up, and it's a challenging situation to farm if you have Russian soldiers shooting at you. <laughs> Additionally, Russian soldiers, they've been stealing diesel fuel from tractors in Ukraine. So apparently this is one of their favorite things to do during their downtime. So what I'm trying to say here is that this is not what you would call a conducive environment for farming. You're not really setting yourself up for success in an environment like this. And just so you know, that 70% number, that's the land to be cultivated. So if you wait a few months, with all the tanks, soldiers, missiles, artillery, I mean, how much of the crop do you think is gonna get disrupted, destroyed, abandoned, or never even harvested? So here's something else that you gotta worry about. So this is something you have to take into consideration. If you wanna export that crop from Ukraine most efficiently, then you're gonna do it through the Black Sea. But the Russians, they're shooting at any vessels in the Black Sea. The Russians, they recently shot at three cargo ships from Panama. The Russians, they sunk one of the Panamanian ships. The other two, they made it out alive, but they took damage. Insurance companies, they jacked up insurance rates 30-fold for ships going through the Black Sea routes. So that's another incentive to not run cargo ships through the Black Sea, along with the floating mines that the Russian Navy has set up. So Ukraine, they're trying to ship their crops by rail, but it's just not as economical, or in many instances, not logistically possible for many along the supply chain. So here's a quick recap for you. We're going to have less food coming out of Ukraine and Russia. Farmers, they're dealing with a shortage of fertilizer, record high diesel prices, and worker shortages. This is all going to mean less production. Less production of food is going to equal higher food prices. For lower income countries, this is going to mean food insecurity, riots, and worst case, so worst case scenario is starvation. President Biden acknowledged the upcoming food shortage. He said at a G7 meeting with NATO leaders, with regard to the food shortage, yes, it's going to be real. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, we're not expecting a food shortage here at home, but we do anticipate that higher energy, fertilizer, wheat, and corn prices could impact the prices of growing and purchasing critical food supplies for countries around the world. Cecilia Roos, the chair of President Biden's Economic Council said, we don't expect the food shortage here because we are net exporters, but we are acutely aware of the fact that there are regions in the world that depend heavily on exports. The United Nations, they issued a warning that food prices are going to increase another 22% in the next year. The former UN Undersecretary General said, billions of dollars in food aid will be required to avoid mass starvation in lower income countries. And when you say food aid, think about what that does to the price of food when you have governments paying whatever, it, whatever for food. So as I said in my opening remarks, you and me, we're going to see higher food prices at the grocery store. Yes, there will be food shortages, but we're going to be a little bit more insulated here in America. So I don't expect to see empty shelves. But that's the story behind what is going on and what's driving and causing all of this. So if you feel like you still want to stock up on food, you know, by all means, please feel free to do so. I just hope that these videos, they help you stay informed. And I just want to say thank you for all the support. And I wish you a very nice day. So I don't know who this guy is, but I, I like him. <clears throat> I definitely um, sub subscribed. I thought I did. Oh, I did it on my other thing. Um, subscribe. There, I'm subscribed. Um, so, um, yeah, I like this guy. He did a good job there. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's a great. He did a great explanation on the upcoming food shortages that is is going to come. Again, I don't think we're going to starve. They're going to get us used to scarcity. You're going to go to the store and your probably food coupons are coming where you get this much meat per month, this much milk per month, or is it just not there in the store? Um, that's coming, but I don't I don't for unless things get a lot worse than I think. Um, than I anticipate. I always, um, I always imagine the worst. Um, but um, than I anticipate, then we're not gonna we're not gonna starve. So it's gonna be really expensive, and you're gonna have you're gonna be eating a lot more basic things. Uh, or did the world? I wanted to watch this Jim Cramer video. It was bizarre to say the least. And you'll see what I'm saying. This is part. This is more in part of the whole. Nothing makes sense. They're getting hit by all sides. Jim Cramer, by the way, is a globalist shill. He's 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 worthless. Um, he totally one hundred percent sell out. Not anybody you should pay attention to.
Um, and I think it kind of proves it here too. Earnings uh, do miss, revenues beat, first quarter profit down 42, uh, driven by increased costs tied to bad loans and market upheaval caused by the war in Ukraine. Jamie Dimon strikes a note of caution in his remarks, says, quote, we remain optimistic on the economy, at least for the short term. Consumer and business balance sheets, as well as consumer spending, remain at healthy levels, but see significant geopolitical and economic challenges ahead due to high inflation, supply chain issues, and the war in Ukraine. Jim, you've been framing it as the credit reserves on one hand, the buyback on the other. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no doubt about it. When he buys back $30 billion, he believes. And that's long term. He's not going to buy it short term. But when you look at it, you say, oh, my God, he was on the wrong end of the nickel trade. Holy cow, he's building reserves. $900 million. I thought that was that we weren't going to do that if the consumer. Uh, I imagine he's talking about building reserves is that they're... Um they're taking their cash and saving it for what's coming. Is that strong in the 5% loans? So, uh, David, I put it to you. And he's talking about J.P. Morgan. Put it to me? Well, well tell just, me. You're, what, you're, I'm part, right. you're my partner. Yes, I am. Always. All right, Carl, I put it to you. No, come on. Um, it was, everything was pretty good, especially, by the way, equities, which really shocked me. But he talk, he's talking his own stock down. By talking about the, the how broader I mean, they the can't even fake it at this point. They can't even fake. Yeah. Bloom and Doom. Uh, but he does that. I mean, listen, one of the things we appreciate about Jamie Dimon is you do seem to get it fairly straight from him. Um, and so there is that. Uh, the stock has never, never recovered from the last quarterly earnings right. where there was a lot of concern about expense. That is not going to be the case here, I don't believe, Jim, in terms of additional expense or expense coming in way above where, where the estimates have been. Obviously, a lot of that had already been reflected in perhaps estimates. And, and again, the stock price never fully recovering. They did add to loan loss provisions right. in a fairly significant way, perhaps as well, yes. reflective of what Mr. Diamond Loan loss provisions. In other words, they're padding the money they need to have for the bad loans. He's talking about on the call right. in terms of concerns about the overall economy. But remember, what drove it down last time was he had to increase his spend on technology. This time, not really a focus. But if you think, uh, it called, this is, I mean, the way I would play it. Let's say I am a CEO of another bank. Well, I will be sure not to mention the long term. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to mention the long term? Isn't it positive? Because if you want your stock down, you just say, hey, listen, I'm worried about, I mean, he didn't, he didn't mention Zelensky by name. He didn't talk about the lockdown in China. But I read that and I said, boy, is he worried about Ukraine? Oh, man, he's scared about China. And I, I didn't want to hear that. Because those things could get better or worse. They don't have to necessarily both get worse. Right. Uh, certainly, the, the reserve buildup is a, is a change directionally yes. right, from, uh, from recent quarters. As Jim mentioned, trading was a beat. Uh, investment banking, though, a bit of a miss. Yes. Um, mortgage demand is going to be a worry as affordability takes a hit. I don't know if you saw mortgage apps, but we got mortgage origination, the Bankers Association says, will probably be down by a third this year. Yeah, and the refinance. So you got uh, what that, what they're talking about is the fact that interest rates are, are going up rapidly. Um, so you're driving more of the middle class out of the market. You're, you've already you you drive the the lower class completely out of the housing market, permanently put them as as renters, um, but then you start driving the the middle class out or at least downsizing. Um, but there's the pricing doesn't won't doesn't reflect that instantly because there's a shortage. So you you end up with like stagflation or you end up with, in, you know you end up with inflation and a recession at the same time. Ants is awful. I mean, really awful, down 60%. Uh, now, I mean, I thought bright side was it uh, decreased only 1.3% week to week, given the fact how fast rates are going up. Uh, but I, I, I find it quizzical 
uh, that you can say that you should increase your loan loss reserves and at the same time say the consumer is very strong. But then I worry, and I think, David, I, did you know they were on the other side of the nickel trade? No, I didn't. Can you elaborate? I, no, I wasn't aware of that. And so we can take that into Who account. Who was on the nickel? you remember? I mean, th that entire exchange was bizarre. It was talked about cognitive dissonance. They don't even know how to spin this. They have they, they don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, it, it, it's just, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's had to have been given his marching orders and he can't even fake it. I mean, that is insanity. Um, and so I don't know if you know about, to pivot quickly, this is all about the, the war on you and me. Um, but think about World War One, World War Two a little bit, and Vietnam War. In most wars, they're, they're, um, America is pushed into by the leadership in America on purpose. Um, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin, the Lusitania. Think about what what Woodrow Wilson tried to do because he Woodrow Wilson the American wanted nothing to do with World War One, but Woodrow Wilson wanted to be in World War One, and and so he told Germany that if you you can't shoot you can't shoot our our civilian ships. Well, then he takes a he takes a a, a, a ship, fills it full of arms, does it multiple times, and puts a few people on it and calls it a civilian transport ship. Well, no, it was a it was a military. It was, and yeah, they sunk it, and so that's how we we got into World War uh, One. You were America was pushed into it on purpose, it was on by, and so um, think about this: Finland to make decision on NATO entry in coming weeks. Well, where is Finland? Finland is on the border of Russia. Which, if you were to look at Ukraine right here, was one of the things that Russia was really upset about, is Ukraine. It's just an escalation. It's all it is, is an, is an, is an escalation in the war. They want this uh, war uh, to happen. They want it to escalate. I go back and forth from thinking that Putin must be in on it. I mean, he's make, his decisions don't make sense, but he's, he's way smarter than me. Um, so, I don't know. Um, Finland and fellow Nordic state neighbors Sweden are close partners but with NATO but they are not part of, of NATO so here's Norway it, Norway actually borders Russia and I mean Sweden's right across the, from uh, from uh, Russia has a little city over here somewhere that they control um, and they have Belarus and now they're you know this part of Ukraine is going to be Russia um, and then here's giant Russia, so huge. But, I mean, that's just an escalation. They're doing everything they can. I think everything they can to get us to ask. I saw a report today that uh, that from a French uh, source that said that the French reporter who got back from, from Ukraine said that Russia is, I mean, America is 100% controlling Ukraine in the war. Like, they, take, they get their marching, Ukraine gets its marching orders from, from America. And then um, here's another one. Yeah, no, I don't want anything. It's from Newsmax. I don't really know that much about Newsmax, but um, it doesn't matter. Top U.S. official U.S. NATO supply transports legitimate military targets. 
So you're fighting a war against somebody, and um, all a country is keeps sending advanced military tech to to the people you're fighting the war with, uh, and keeping them in the war instead of allowing you to defeat them. No matter what side you are, does that does does that make would you allow that? If uh, if you're fighting some guy in a fist fight. And he, and he he keeps going over to you know right when you're about to beat him up he goes over to his friend his friend shoots him up with some steroids gives him an energy drink puts us uh, an ammonia tab under his nose and gives him a little massage um, so he can get back in and keep fighting you and while um, at the same time you're on your own uh, how long is it going to be before you you push that guy out of the way and go hit and, and go attack the friend who keeps who keeps revigorating him well it's the same thing here in. Uh, Russia with uh, NATO we just comes constantly sending all all these uh, drones and 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 uh, I don't know if I has, it was in this one uh, if it says exactly what we're sending we're sending them but I mean they're sending they're sending all kinds of advanced we're sending helicopters we're sending them uh, I don't know it doesn't say but we are we're sending helicopters we're sending them those drones we're sending them a bunch of stuff uh, here's another one U.S. gives Ukraine 800 million more, not just 800 million, 800 million more, so more than 2.5 billion dollars. 2.5 billion includes artillery system, artillery rounds, armored personnel carriers, unmanned coastal defense boats. What? Unmanned coastal defense boats. Well, I want one of those. Why can't I get one of those? Um, they're also sending them helicopters. They're sending them. Um, this new package includes 11 Mi-17 helicopters that we're going to go to Afghanistan. 40,000 rounds of artillery. 300 additional switchblade drones. Howitzers. Man, I would like to have some. I'd like to have a howitzer. Wouldn't that be fun to have in your backyard? A howitzer. But we just 2.5 billion dollars of your money. How much was your COVID relief check? 600 dollars. Huh. Well, 2.5 billion is just going away over to Ukraine. They don't care about you, and and you really, you know how many times Russia and Ukraine are always fighting each other and shooting each other, and you never cared before. Nobody ever cared before. This is just another, another angle of attack on you, to um, bring about this war on the individual. That's all this is: is the war on the middle class, and so this fifth generational war. This new World War III we're in is um, every nation is at war, but not with each other, but with its populace. Because as you saw from yesterday or the day before, or whenever I did the um, video where I, we played the video from that 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 uh, guy from uh, Klaus Schwab, the Davos guy, the um, World Economic Forum guy, Yuri something or another, he's an Israeli, I believe. Um, they, they, it's a war all, all against y'all, and and they control. He can he he gives the marching orders to all the um, to all the, the the world leaders. So they all get the same marching orders. This is a war. Every nation's at war. World War Three, but they're at war not only kind of with each other, but with their own populace to control the populace. They have to get rid of the individual. The individual is the most dangerous thing to them. Again, uh, uh, the zombie hordes of your populace are easy to control. It's that individual they got to come after. 
So I just wanted to do a quick video today talking about what World War III, that we're already in it, and what it really is. And it is so hard to stay in front of. I don't know what to buy and stock up on. Um, I don't know what's going to be scarce tomorrow or the next day. Um, I don't know how people are going to weather the, when I say people, I mean the people, not, not, not the rich, they'll be fine. And I'm not, not even necessarily the rich, but the, the upper class, uh, the highest of the middle, maybe really the lowest of the high, you know, the people making half a million or more a year are probably going to be okay. It's the people living on under a hundred thousand dollars a year that are going to suffer. And, and you think, I mean, $150,000 a year is not a lot of money. $150,000 a year means you pay all your bills, probably have a car or two, have a house payment, uh, maybe even a boat, and you can take a vacation. That's about $150,000 a year. Factor in taxes and everything else. Well, that was. Now $150,000 a year is like $100,000 a year, which means you're living, for a family of four, you're basically living, you're living very well check to check. You're still living check to check. You're just living very well. You have, you have air conditioned cable. You want to go to the, the movies, you can go to the movies. You buy whatever you want at the grocery store without even worrying about pricing. That's that's about 100K a year for a family of four. You start getting below, because at 100K a year, family of four, you're, you're taking home $60,000, 70000 $60,000, $60,000 is what you're taking home after all the deductions, after your healthcare deduction, your 401K deduction, after all, all your uh, deductions. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're basically taking home, you know, 60 K a, a year. Um, uh, ominous text. Um, so, you know, hundred grand a year is not that much. $50,000 a year, you know, you're taking home maybe 40,000. Your tax bracket changes the less you make, but you're, you're, you're living, you're living paycheck to paycheck at $100,000 or less. It's just at what standard are you living? That's basically what it is. Because as you make more money, you're not generally going to save more until you get into a certain range. You're just going to up your, your standard of living. You make $20,000 a year, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you're, as, you know, you're taking a bus and you don't know necessarily what you're going to eat next week. Uh, but as you make a little bit more money, you're just... Feeling, you're just filling in one of those areas that made life not so fun, you know. So now you have a little bit more food security, but or now you buy, you're able to buy a car, or now you're able to get to a better apartment, or now you're able to get a newer car. Now you're able to maybe buy a house. Um, now you're able to have you know all the channels on your cable, and maybe get a better internet, uh, maybe buy a little bit more new clothes. But you're not you're not in a point yet where you're building wealth because you're just upping your standard of living till you probably get to around 200k and then now you've got a significant sum of funds unless you're ridiculous you've got about a, you got you've got a significant sum of funds that you can start investing and building wealth with but the 100k and below it's paycheck to paycheck and i know people out there listen to this or people out there who are making because uh, no one listens because i do no advertising whatsoever uh <clears throat> It's really not for all y'all. It's just for my children. But um, people making um, $30,000 a year or $20,000 a year, look at somebody making $90,000 a year, a family of four. As an individual, that's a lot of money, but a family of four. 
um, and think, man, you know, they just have money, they can just do, no, you've upped your standard of living. They're still living paycheck to paycheck on 100K. Um, it's just a different level of paycheck to paycheck. That's sometimes hard to understand until you've made that kind of money, um, until you, you understand how fast money goes in the tax brackets and how different things work. That 200K mark is when you can start saving and building wealth because you have, you've upped your standard of living. You, you, know, you still have a house payment. You still have car payments. But unless you start getting really ridiculous, your standard of living is where most people would want it to be. Um, so now you have money left over that you're going to invest in things. After you've bought, your, you know, maybe for a year or two, you're buying toys. For, after a while, you've got your toys handled. Again, unless you have some expensive hobby. 200 k a year is going to allow you to put away thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year. Maybe it's $20,000 a year. But $20,000 a year, $20,000 a year invested ends up being real wealth. Um, and not just in your home. And it also allows you to upgrade your home, which is going to build in better neighborhoods, which is going to build more wealth for your family. So that's all coming down. The 100 k a year person is going to be living like the, the 40 k a year person. That's what inflation does for, for you. So that's what's coming around the corner. I just wanted to give you that little perspective on it. Again, this is a, another episode of the producing half for producers. And good luck out there.